0: So may I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We live in a world where there is so much division and discord and disharmony. And I wonder whether what the world needs is uh, togetherness and unity. And I wonder whether this is something that the church could offer the world. Because the world doesn't need any more discord, division or disharmony. So what is it that as a church we could offer the world that would make a difference? That would indeed be good news. And especially when... The Church of England is faced with challenging topics like human sexuality. What we need to offer is not easy answers, but unity. Because it is likely that we will not all agree. Just as we don't all agree on the place of women in leadership in the church. But what's important is that we learn to love each other and remain united. St so Paul knew what division could do in a local church. And the Corinthian church that he wrote to twice is probably not a good role model for the church today. People were arguing They were following different people. They were doing things different. They were looking down at each other. And what Paul was desperate to do was to say to them, this is causing damage, church. You need to stop it. And you have been doing a series on the resilient church and today we come to the theme of a united church, which is what I've been asked to speak about today. And so the two passages that we've had read to us are important. I'm going to spend most of my time looking at the Ephesians passage. And Paul says in Ephesians 4, 1-2, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble, he writes, and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Jesus was completely humble and gentle, patient and loving. And if we are following Jesus... And if we are aspiring to become more like him, then that's our challenge. Because when there is pride, when there is anger and aggression, when there is impatience and hatred, there is not unity, but division and discord. And Paul deliberately notice the word completely. Paul doesn't say, I want you all to try to be a little bit more humble, please. And a little bit more gentle. He said, I want you to be completely humble. And that word completely makes me realise that I'm never going to be completely humble. But I... Because I'm not, I'm not perfect. But it's something that's always going to be in the distance. But it's always something I need to aim for. It just shows you how far I've still got to go. How far I've still got to become like Jesus. Because the church, as I'm going to explain, if it's the body of Christ... And Jesus is the head of the body. Then we need to become like him. Individually, but also as a church. And in verse 3, Paul goes on to say, Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And again, he doesn't say, make a little effort. Try harder at being united. He says, make every effort. Not when you feel like it. Not when you want to. But all times. Leave no stone unturned. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I have made every effort. And notice also that Paul says, to keep the unity of the Spirit. Unity is not something that we manufacture. It's not something that we make. It's not something that we produce. It is something that we keep. And what Paul is saying is here is you have unity already by virtue of the fact that you know the love of God in Jesus Christ. You have unity, so keep it. I haven't done, I did this earlier on in my sermon in the the first service. I haven't done it yet, I'm going to do it now. Just take a look around the room now. Just have a look around at one another. What a motley crew of people you are. (laughs) Different ages, different stages, different clothes. But we are one. In Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We are one in Christ Jesus. No human being would be able to put together a group of people like this. But Jesus has. Jesus has. And it's wonderful and glorious and precious and fragile. So Paul says, keep that unity. Keep that sense of oneness. Be very alert to the threats and the challenges to unity. Unity, I believe, is a gift of God. It is something that God gives to us. Because we can't produce it, make it. We can only keep it. So if it's a gift we should handle with care. And we should be thankful for the gift that God has given. There are all sorts of things in our world that bring people together. Strictly. The great British bake-off. The Olympics. The clap for carers. (laughs) But it could be a common interest or a hobby that brings people together. But only Jesus can bring everyone together. You can't explain it. In any other way. There is a divine reason for the church. But also the unity of the church. And we mustn't forget that. And then Paul goes on to say seven times in a few verses. One. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. Are you getting the message? One God, one Lord, one Spirit. Not two or three. The Corinthian church would going. well I follow Paul, I follow Cephas. That's not possible in a church. Well it is, but it should not be. Unity is important because it testifies to the oneness of God. The oneness of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Who live in relationship. Who are aligned perfectly in will and purpose and love. There can be no division in God. And there ought to be no division in the church. In fact, if we are to show to God, reflect to to the world, reflect to the world the oneness of God, unity is absolutely critical. And there is one body There is only one body. There are not many bodies in this world. Paul is talking about the body of Christ, the church. So when we talk about the church, yes, we're talking about the local church here gathered at Christ Church, but we're also talking about the church, the other local congregations that are meeting throughout Southport today and across the diocese of Liverpool and across England and across the United Kingdom and across Europe and across the world. (coughs) The church, one body and the, the one body has only one Lord, one head, Jesus. And if the body is not being directed by the head then there will be division and disunity the parts of the body are meant to work together, but they are controlled by the head. And when there is, when that doesn't happen, it paints a bad picture to the world. And so what that tells us straight away is that when... When the local, when local congregations do not elevate Jesus, do not regard him as the head, but someone else or something else or some other group of people. That's when things can go awry. And the challenge of church leadership is to elevate Jesus. And... Elsewhere we hear keep our eyes fixed on Jesus to model our lives on him and to become more like him as individuals but also as a body. Someone has said that the church needs to become the body through which Christ can come to the world today. The church needs to become the body through which Christ can come to the world today. Paul says there's only one hope for salvation. Only one person who can save. There is only one baptism. Baptism in the name of Jesus. So the more we elevate Jesus, the more we are able to live together as Christians and as a church. I don't know if you know the story of um, the husband and wife who were celebrating 60 years and had a big party. And um, uh, uh, the husband was in conversation with a friend who'd come And the friend said, what's the secret of your happy marriage? And he said, well, it's quite simple, really. On our wedding day, we came to this agreement. We agreed that I would make all the major decisions, and she would make all the minor decisions. So after 60 years, I can truthfully say we've never needed to make a major decision. The major decision that a church needs to take is to elevate Jesus. And then all the minor decisions can be taken like that. So there are things in church life which threaten division and disunity. But if you don't mind me saying, we need to see them as minor decisions and not major decisions. And we need to go back to the major decision. So sometimes in a church it could be worship style. Song choice. Sermon length. (laughs) Whatever it is. They're all minor things. Sure people feel them quite deeply and keenly. But we need to, and it's probably never a good thing when someone gets head up about something to say, oh, don't worry about it. For them, it's quite a big thing. So we need to take them seriously as a sister or brother. We need to understand what's going on. Someone has written wisely, whether it's St. Augustine or whether it was John Wesley has said this, In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. So to me, the essentials of our faith is the creed. So that's why it's really important that we can say together the creed. Because the creed encapsulates what we believe. And everything else flows from that. That's where we find our unity. It's something that um, the creed is something that the vast majority of Christian churches can all sign up to and say. And that gives us our unity. And Jesus himself, when he prayed for his disciples, what did he pray for? He prayed for unity. Not just for his disciples, but for all those who were to come after us. And we sang Jesus as king at our first service in that, that, that great line. Jesus is interceding for us right now. And what will he be praying for us? He'll be praying for unity. He'll be praying that we are one in relationship, just as he and the Father were one. And the reason he's doing that is not so that we can all have a nice, happy, warm time together, so that the world may believe. So that the world may believe. It's not for us simply to say, oh, We're all very united. There is a reason and a purpose for it. And it's not for our benefit, but for everyone else's benefit. And I do believe that it is confusing to the world as to why there are so many church buildings. And why there are so many denominations. And lots of people would say, well, you all believe different things, don't you? Well, in actual fact, we don't. But it looks like we don't and that we're in competition with each other. When well, we're not, but that's how it looks. And so if we're not scandalised by division. Then perhaps we ought to be, because Jesus prayed that we would be one, so that the world might believe. Unity does not mean uniformity. Verse 7, Paul says, Each one of us has been given grace as Christ has apportioned it. So each one of us here this morning has been given something by God. And this is the, the lovely thing about the church, is that... Jesus brings together people with completely different outlooks. A completely different ages and stages of all nationalities. Language, culture and says be one. <coughs> be one. ...because that's what I long for, that's what I desire, that's what I want. And that can be quite uncomfortable. You know, when there is disagreement over minor issues that people feel uh, keenly about... ...when a long-held opinion seems to be challenged or not accepted by others... ...that can be quite uncomfortable... But you know, I'm glad that I'm in a church or in a place where there is disagreement. Because I've never learned anything from someone that I agreed with. I've never learned something from someone that I've agreed with. Sometimes we can learn from one another. Sometimes we're in the church so that we can be shaped and become more like Jesus. And Paul concludes by saying, so Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all, till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the goal of unity is to become mature. And maturity itself fosters greater unity. And there are gifts in the church that can help us do that. People who can bring God's word to us. People who can care for us. People that can uh, bring a prophetic word to us, that can speak to us. And I want to say that we need to spend more time elevating Jesus gathering around the word in the bible and to ask ourselves how does what we are hearing and reading now how does that elevate jesus how does that promote him unity is not something that just happens it grows over time as people continue to keep their eyes fixed on jesus it's not something that that suddenly appears and then we say, Oh, we've got unity now because you never know what tomorrow brings. We've got to keep what it is that we think we've got as a gift. And unity in a church grows when bad things happen, when there is pressure or threat, or stretch. The enemy, we're in a spiritual battle. We don't struggle against flesh and blood. We struggle against principalities and powers. And we need to be alert to the fact that the enemy would love a divided church. So we just need to be alert, which is why Paul keeps saying, make every effort to keep. To live a life worthy of your calling. Treasure the gift that you've got. And when there is division or discord or disunity. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. But it's 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 an opportunity to once again elevate Jesus. Jesus. It's an opportunity to sit down and say, we want to get back to where we were. What is happening here amongst us? And it's also a reminder that it's important that we address it so that the world may believe. The church is a people filled with the spirit, commissioned to love one another and to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. To any and all. And if that is our identity. Then we need to stand against anything. That would prevent us from doing that. I believe unity is a good thing. I believe it's something that we can give to the world. Where there is so much division and discord. I think unity glorifies God because it reflects the oneness that is within God. I think unity is good as well because it's great to live in unity with one another, isn't it? Unity in heart and mind and will, not in personal preferences because we've all got different ones. And I believe that unity can make a difference in this world. So I want to encourage you this morning to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. As individuals and as a church. I want you to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. And I want you to do that because Jesus is praying for it. Jesus is praying for you. What a mind-blowing thought right now. He can hear every word I've just said. And I'm going to be held to account when I stand before him one day. But he's praying for us right now. And this is his will for us and for the world in which we live. Amen.